Hello. Welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that dissects every single song of the Punk Goes Ellipses series by Fearless Records. Good work. I don't know, it felt kind of stilted. Well, this was the first probably one ever where there hasn't proceeded with the recording. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'm just not that good at like a cold open. I don't know. I I wanted to say good evening and then I realised that we kind of can't do that because some of our listeners won't listen in the evening. Some of them won't even listen in space-time continuum, so (laughs) who knows. Do you want to follow that thought path somewhere? Because I don't know where you got it from. Nah. Okay. I want to keep that locked inside, hidden from view of the streets. (laughs) Okay. This is why I should take an improv class, because I just, my brain just does not work on a level of, you need to act fast, think fast, speak fast. See, but then, like, you do um, Dungeons and Dragons, or essentially Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but when I'm making the world, there are times when I improv. Yeah. And that usually ends up being a train wreck. Um, when I'm making a world, it's very much already planned out. But... And I can, and I, I've told one of our, um, so one of our teammates is going to start up her first ever campaign mm-hmm. uh, pretty soon with us. Cool. And I said to her, I said, you can make, you can make plans for every single little detail about the town. And we'll probably just pick one thing and do none of the rest. Yeah. And I said, because that's what has happened to me. Like, I I made one where they had to go to Iceland mm. and do stuff. And so I had plans for, like, if they go down here, they can do this. If they go down here, they can do this, this. They can meet this person. And they did none of it. They just went basically straight for the goal. <laughs> so I'm either not making it enticing enough to go and explore or, you know, it just happens. Maybe they're all massive cop-outs. Maybe they should stop being little fighters and start being big fighters. I see what you did there. Think about the bigger picture there. I see what you did there. This week we are looking at the song Little Fighter by White Lion as covered by Death by Stereo for Punk Goes Metal. Metal. Yes. That is turning 20 this year. Christ. I feel like we should do something for it. Yeah, I, I guess. But I don't know what. We already are doing a podcast about the Punk Go series. So. God, 20 years. Sp- actually, I was going to be like 20 years. That's got to be like early 90s. Nope. No, 20. Uh, two, 2000. <laughs> 20. I was, was going to say 20 double zero. But it's like, <laughs> that doesn't make anything easier. 20 double zero? Get oh, the fuck man. out of here with that. That's... I don't like knowing that the 90s were essentially what... 30 years away now? 30 years removed? Well, I mean, 1990 was. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. 1999 would be off its P's by now. Would True. Be, would be on its full license here in Australia. <laughs> Actually, no, that's different. No. Because it's 22, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, yeah. No, no. Anything cool happen... To you this week, besides us seeing your grandparents? No, that was good. 
Um, no, so I can't think of anything. I was at a cafe today for lunch and had a bit of a chuckle because one of the workers there needed to sneeze. And so for some reason, because like, it, it's like a little sort of L-shaped venue and like within the open space of the L is where they have the counter and then also the kitchen behind that. And for some reason this guy was compelled to sneeze and for some reason like bent himself over at like a 90 degree angle into the door of the kitchen and then just sort of sneezed into the open. Like he, I don't like, I just want to know what his thought process was for like, I need to sneeze away from the customers. So I'm going to sneeze into the open air in the kitchen. Um, the last place you need, you know, germs. To be fair, he like, like, yeah, he was leaning forward at a 90 degree angle with his face towards the floor. So like it was strategic in that sense, but it just made no sense. But I thought that was very funny. <laughs> that just, yeah, sneezes make you panic a bit. How many times in your life do you reckon you've had to sneeze while eating food? While having a mouthful of food? Maybe once. It's happened to me a couple times, always with cereal. Yep. And it happened to me yesterday. Does it end up in your nose? Well, no, because I just sort of hold my bowl over and go, Jesus. <laughs> 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 sneeze into the bowl. <laughs> Yuck. I feel like maybe I've sneezed food up my nose before. Like, up the back of my nose. I've done something disgusting where I've ended up with food up the back. Yeah, it would have been sneezing. It was disgusting. Well, that's for later. It, no, because then it burns. It's just like burn. Oh. No, it's bad. <laughs> I, yeah. Anyway, what about you? How was your week? Got to see your grandparents. You sure did. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm sure they remember me. What the hell kind of comment was that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> what? I've only seen them once. Yeah, well, I did remember you and it was lovely. It was. So <laughs> why the attitude towards my grandparents? No attitude. <sighs> Tell me about Little Fighter, seeing as you want to be a Little Fighter with regards to my ancestry. <laughs> you jerk, you jabroni. <laughs> uh... We had a good laugh about that in the car. We the word did. Jabroni. I was getting lippy at all the cars around me. So, um, Little Fighter, as uh, performed by White Lion from Punk Goes Metal. This is another one of those bands, yeah. kind of like Tesla, that just sort of strikes me as odd that they're on the metal compilation. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, look, I'll get into the thoughts on the song later on, but it's, it's like, I would not be thinking of White Lion, I'd be thinking of White Snake. Like, why didn't they get White Snake on this? Maybe a licensing thing? <laughs> but I mean, they could get Ozzy Osbourne and Judy, Judy Priest. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love her work, she's great. Oh, Judy. Judy Priest, that's uh, Rob Halford from Judas Priest's uh, grand... She goes down to the shops dressed in all leather and spikes yep. on, her, on her Harley Davidson. Goes to the bingo. Goes to the bingo hall. Gets into a punch on. She, uh, she her shuffleboard team is called Painkillers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just another one. Yeah, like Tesla. It's just like really like the band that I'm going to compare this that, that I'm going to compare White Lion to 
so often I will bring up again, um, or I will bring up when we get to it. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of like, and I will probably call them White Snake as well at some point. Sure. I'm making no guarantees. That Do I they like. really sound that much like White Snake? No, they don't sound like White Snake. No, they sound like Van Halen. Right. Okay. But I'll get to that when we actually talk about the song. Cool. So White Lion were mm-hmm. a American slash Danish rock band from <laughs> New York City. They were formed in 1983. The notes just say American slash Danish from New York York City. City. So I just like to picture Kent Brockman not going on air until he's had his Danish. (laughs) I know this news. (laughs) I don't care. I do not read until I get my Danish. Uh... Yoink. Yoink. (laughs) Uh, Please continue. I'll try not to go off on too many tangents. But I wrote in big bold letters, White Snake were already... Oh, they've autocorrected it to White Snake were already five years old at that point. Did anyone was like, dude, you've got a white animal, we've got a white animal as well, you can't have a white animal. Oh, I see, I didn't understand that note. I was just like, what do you mean? Like, they're allowed to exist. But okay, that makes sense. The parallels between yeah, they, snakes they, and lions. They, they auto-corrected. I couldn't, for, I couldn't ever say on my iPhone, ill, it would correct to aisle. Mm. Mum would correct to none. Like a, <laughs> like a woman who works in a church. I mean, your mum is very saintly. Sure. (laughs) So it started with uh, the Danish vocalist slash rhythm guitarist Mike Tramp. He started the band with Vito Brata, the lead guitarist. Cool. And these are, I think, going through, reading up a little bit about the history, because again, I didn't know about this band. No. Until doing this song this week. Me neither. Um... So I think that Vito Brada and Mike Tramp are kind of the, the two pillars of this band. Yeah, yep. Um, I really get that that feeling about them. So, yeah. Uh, they were mostly active in the 1980s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. In 1999 to 2000, Mike Tramp would attempt to reunite. Then he would start his own White Lion. It would be named Tramp's White Lion. Oh, Jesus. And so he couldn't 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 make it white line because there were legal like legal problems. I mean probably between him and Vito Brada. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah. And you see this actually a lot in death metal. Right. Um Except these guys aren't death metal. They're not death metal, but you um sorry. You see this a lot in metal colon more often than not in death metal. Is he pooping? What? No. You have your fingers. Oh no, no, that's so, my thinking. <laughs> all right, let me let me just come back to it. So, <laughs> so he's called it Tramp's White Lion. I just want to clarify that we meant boss. Boss. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Mike Tramp has sat on a toilet at some I point. I just love out of nowhere. This is slightly panicked. Is he pooping? <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, as you were. So, okay, he tried it again as Tramp's White Lion. Yes. So this is a thing that you see in heavy metal. Right. More often than not in death metal. Right. When, say, two leading members of the band, two founding members of the band, might have a difference of opinion or they might split. Right. And one says, well, I have, 
I have claim to this band. No, but I have claim to this band. So that's when you have bands like Entombed and Entombed AD, Nocturnus and Nocturnus AD, Batushka and Batushka. How? So th- it happens quite a lot where basically you, they sort of keep the same name, but one person will slightly tweak it. Yeah. It just seems kind of childish. Like, you're no longer a band. In terms of, like, by definition, you are no longer the band you started as being. By definition, you are not the band that you are trying to lay claim to. Just both of you start with different names. You can both play the songs, but just have different names. I don't know. But then again, like, I'm fine with Brendan Urie being Panic at the Disco. I was... But also, I still think, like... I also still think that he could also just be Brendan Urie. Brendan Urie, yeah. And it would be fine. Yeah. We, the, the dude did a song with, with Taylor Swift, so he's doing fine. We have had this exact conversation before, so we'll keep it yeah. moving oh, well, no, right that's, along. That we're done with, with Brendan Urie. I'm not. Um, sure. <laughs> but, so, they were one of the first bands in their genre to hit on such social political topics as apartheid. The war on El Salvador, the effect divorce has on children, and even the sinking of the Greenpeace ship, the Rainbow Warrior, by French intelligence operatives. Which, it just so happens to be... Which leads into... So speaking of which, about the song, yes, Little Fighter is about the sinking of the Greenpeace ship, the Rainbow Warrior, by French intelligence officers while it was docked in Auckland Harbour. Mm-hmm. And I had a bit of a look into this. It was um, it was a bit of an interesting one. I don't quite know why the French sunk it. Um, I was looking at this before we started recording, and then of course, like a dingus, I closed the um. Yeah, dingus. The web page that I was looking from. But it was... So while you're bringing that up, I'll just say that the boat was active in a number of anti-whale, seal, and nuclear testing missions. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was sunk in 1985 by, as I said, twice already, now making it a triple threat, the French intelligence officers. And it killed photographer Fernando Pereira. Yeah. Which is super sad. That, like, what shithouse luck, honestly. Like, Mm. fuck that. That, yeah. Because I honestly was surprised that there weren't more people killed. Like, I just assumed there would have been people aboard who got killed along with it. But it appears to be just Fernando. Like, Mm. I looked at it, it wasn't the biggest ship. No, but still, like... Yeah. That's... uh, 
But I mean, I, I imagine the crew would have been pretty small. Yeah. So I'm just going to quote directly from Wikipedia as opposed to trying to paraphrase on the fly. Uh, so in early 1985, Rainbow Warrior was in the Pacific Ocean campaigning against nuclear testing. In May 1985, it relocated 300 Marshall Islanders from Rongelap Atoll, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that properly, which had been polluted by radioactivity from past American nuclear tests at the Pacific Proving Grounds. It then travelled to New Zealand to lead a flotilla of yachts protesting against French nuclear testing at the Mururoa Atoll in the Tuamotu archipelago of French Polynesia. During previous nuclear tests at Mururoa, Protest ships had been boarded by French commandos after sailing into the shipping exclusion zone around the atoll. <clears throat> For the 1985 tests, Greenpeace intended to monitor the impact of nuclear tests and place protesters on the island to monitor the blasts. Uh, DGSE, which was the French um, intelligence or whoever that were responsible, yep. Agent Christine Cabon infiltrated the Auckland offices of the organisation and secretly monitored communications from the Rainbow Warrior, collected maps and investigated underwater equipment. French agents posing as interested supporters or tourists also toured the ship while it was open to public viewing. And then from there, like it escalated and then the Rainbow Warrior got bombed. Um, so, yeah, essentially it was in response to Greenpeace and, by extension, the Rainbow Warrior was involved with protesting, nuclear testing on French Polynesian territory. So that's my understanding of why they bombed them. So this was, yeah, I mean, a tragedy. Yeah. Unto itself. Um, but, you know, as we've probably been witness to throughout history, tragedy makes for, you know, some really compelling music. Yeah. And so this song was their first big single off their 1989 album, Big Game. Mm -hmm. And it charted at number 52 in the Billboard Hot 100 charts, number 12 on the mainstream rock charts in the US, and 65 in Canada. I'm surprised it reached as high as number 12, just on the mainstream rock charts, considering like neither of us had heard about it. Not saying that mm. we know everything there is to know about 80s mainstream rock, but yeah. Yeah, I never never had I heard of White Lion up until last week. So I guess this is as good a place as any to move on to. What do you think of the song? Oh, I listened to this and went, wow, this is this is Van Halen. Yeah. This is just this is Van Halen. It's it's also like for 1989. This sounds so late from the decade. I mean, obviously, I mean it's the end of the decade, but this sounds like they really wanted it to be an early 80s kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff like the just the tones of the guitar, like the pinch harmonics. You know, I, if I listen back to the solo, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of tapping in it, and that was what that was Eddie Van Halen's signature move was tapping on the guitar. Tapping... So, like, the when you, like... Oh, okay. when, you, when you tap your finger on the string while also doing notes, that's as best as I can explain it. And what was the other thing you mentioned? Something pitch, something... Pinch, pinch Pin harmonics. What's pinch harmonics? Do you know, like, when you get... I'm trying to... It's going to sound really silly because I'm going to do it with my mouth, but when you do, like, the... When you hear, like, the... <laughs> wee 
Oh, so like a whammy bar kind of no, thing. No, but like, I mean, you can do it with a whammy. Yeah. But you can also just do, you can also just do them without a whammy. So it's like a... Oh, so of, what, like when you sort of curl like, the note almost, or like... No, it's like a high-pitched sort of squealing... I mean, there's harmonics, which are like high high pitch, but then there's pinch harmonics, which sort of increase the the sort of intensity of it as well. I'm going to see if I can bring it up. Um, so that begs the question, what are harmonics? Well, harmonics... As in, I, within the context of guitar. Yeah, within the context of guitar, harmonics, when I... The best way I could explain it was you don't press down and you... you on the string, you mm-hmm. hover, you put your finger on top of the string, and it would be on over hovering over the the frets. Yeah, and so it would make like a. I would almost need to like pull out the guitar and show you. On That's the okay. I think I can picture it. But it's it's just oh like I I just want a simple like pinch harmonic video, but it's all like how to do pinch harmonics. I and think I can them. picture it. That's fine. I'll educate myself. It's my fault for not doing my research. You um, also aren't a guitarist, so... And hey. neither, neither am I. Excuse you, I absolutely was a guitarist for all of maybe a year. Well, there you go. Yeah. Sorry. I do want to get back into it. But I'm also really lazy. Um, so... Yeah, so you're saying they're essentially like aping Van Halen with this song. And wanting to be early 80s. But I mean, they were from the early '80s. They were from. They started out started out in '83. Yeah. And I'm not. I don't know if I'd necessarily say they're trying to be Van Halen, but it just. I listen to this and go, oh, like even when it kind of the drums kick in at the end, it's like, oh, that really just sounds like Panama in the end. What Panama is that Van Halen? Yeah. Okay. Panama. Oh yeah yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just. It just very much hits that that same sort of feeling for me. But I kind of listen to it and I'm just thinking, well, why aren't we doing a Van Halen song right yeah. now? Why isn't, why isn't this Panama or Jump? Oh, Jump. Yeah. I mean, and, and I could, you know, again, they're in that same sort of vein. Mm. But I would, I would put Van Halen in the metal, the metal bracket above White Lion. Because I wouldn't call them a metal band so much, but they sort of were, they were kind of taken in by a lot of the metal fandom right. as well. You know, I would imagine a lot of people that were listening to Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and mm. whatnot were also probably listening to Van Halen at the same time. So, because yeah, to me, like this is another band and another song that had we not covered Tesla already... I would have been like, this doesn't belong on it. But would you say, like, Van Halen would be more classified as, like, classic rock as opposed to metal? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, 100%. And that's just, like... They wouldn't even be they wouldn't even be hair metal. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, this fits the brief in terms of appearing on Punk Goes Metal. Punk but, the... goes, but going by the track record of what they put on that album, if that makes sense. Like... This fits the Fearless Records definition of metal, but it's not yeah. metal metal. Like, I would have put this on classic rock. I guess, it, yeah, and they do have a classic rock album, but they didn't do that for a few years after that. You couldn't call it Punk Goes Metal slash Classic Rock because that's too much of a mouthful. So they just said, let's call it Punk Goes Metal. Yeah. And we'll call it a day. Yeah, true. But 
you know. And it's fine. I just... I don't know. I wish we were talking about Van Halen, or I wish that we were talking about Twisted Sister, or someone a little bit closer to that regard. Yeah, yep. I don't know. But at the end of the day, though, I still don't hate the song. I still think it's a good song, and it's got a very catchy chorus. Yeah. And a a really good hook to get us into that. It just... Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's not quite their identity, almost. Mm. Like, you know, I said maybe they're not aping Van Halen, but maybe maybe Van Halen really is a heavy influence on theirs. Yeah. Yeah, Because they did come along... After a lot of these bands, like I mentioned, White Snake. Yes, White Snake was already five years. Yeah, yeah. In the in the running, when White Lion became a thing, you know, Here I Go Again on My Own was probably already out by then. I don't know when they did that song. Mm. That's another band as well. Surprisingly, uh, British. Yeah, White Snake. I, I I listened to that and go, oh, I would have thought they'd be from Los Angeles or something. Yeah. So that them and Poison, not Poison, um, Def Leppard. Yes. Poison's very much from California. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the song? Um, I... I hadn't considered that they are sort of modelling themselves after the likes of Van Halen until you mentioned that, but now that you do, I can sort of see it. But to me, it's like a really watered down... Yeah. That like... 100%. This is like off-brand Van Halen. Um, The song is... Like, it's fine. I enjoy it. A lot of it irks me, though, just in terms of, like, the turns of phrase they use and the lyrics and stuff. It makes it sound like Little Fighter is an actual person that they're talking about and not a boat. Like, Rise Again, Little Fighter. Which, that to me, I'm not bothered by that because it makes it sort of more universal because it's not specific enough to be referencing the Rainbow Warrior. Like, to me, I don't look at this and go, oh, yeah, that's talking, like... It's very much a you had to be there to understand mm. the context of it when it was first released. And it hasn't aged well in that sense because, yeah, yeah we had no idea until we, well, until you looked it up. and Yeah, it was like, I thought it might have been about, I was going to make a joke about, you know, so how little is this fighter? And then I looked it up and like, <laughs> oh, okay, no, it's actually not a, it's not a laughing matter. No. Um, but... Like, so it's sort of, I'm in two minds about it. So, yeah, on the one hand, I don't like that it's vague because it's sort of like, well, for a commemorative song, like, it's still a really lovely gesture, but the fact that no one passed, like, say, maybe 95 or 99 would have understood the context for it, like, that to me sort of suggests that they... Not that they failed, but, like, their endeavour to commemorate the tragedy and, like, it didn't work. Because, yeah, I'm talking around in circles now. The commemorative song that comes into my mind immediately is Candle in the Wind. And that is kind of timeless. (laughs) And, (laughs) see, to me, and, look, I mean this with the utmost respect in terms of what this song is talking about and White Lion's intentions... But when I was listening to this today, all I could think of was 5,000 Candles in the Wind from Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's a song that has heart behind it, but it just sounds like something that Mouse Rat would write in response to something really serious. Like, it's a really lovely sentiment, 
but the lyrics are kind of dumb, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah. Again, rise again, little fighter. It's like... It's a boat, dude. Just... But, like... Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I didn't quite finish my thought before because I was just turning... Like, talking in circles. But, like... So, yeah. I think it failed in that sense of... I'll just say failed. Um, Failed in terms of, like, setting out... Or, like, accomplishing what they set out to do in writing the song. But then I guess it works in their favour because it can just be taken as a broad, like, motivation song. Like, you can do it sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, within the context of what it is about... I find the lyrics really weird. Mm. Like, it just... And that, like... Like, yeah, they could have... I don't know. They could have brought in, like, something to do with, like, the environmental message that Greenpeace... Yeah. ...were... Or, like, yeah, Rainbow Warrior was involved in, like, advocating for... Um, but a lot of it is just kind of goofy. Like... Yeah. I think that's the word for it is goofy. Yeah. So, like, rise again, little fighter, and let the world know the reason why. Shine again, little fighter, and don't let them end the things you do. Mm. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. I don't, like, and then another thing that shits me is, like, the rhyming scheme is sort of all over the place. Like, there are verses where it's A-B-A-B rhyming. So, like, has anyone heard the tales you tell or seen the scars you wear? Did anyone speak up when you fell or does anybody care? So that makes sense. But then, yeah, like, the chorus. Rise again, little fighter. Let the world know the reason why. Shine again, little fighter. And don't let them end the things you do. Like, it's A-B-A-C. But Mm. it just... Not in a way that I've sort of like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Like, it just... It... Yeah... It seems kind of unso- unsophisticated to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, like, by the end, where they sort of interject with Don't Stop Believing, it's just like, was Journey would have well and truly released Don't Stop Believing by that oh, point. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. all I can think about. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird one. It's just... Like, it's... It's heartwarming, and I like that they obviously felt compelled enough to write something because I I don't know I feel like well I feel like no one was probably really talking about it especially this was four years after the fact as well yeah this was four years after it sank again I'm talking about Candle in the Wind that came out oh he sang it at her funeral so just to clarify um so Candle in the Wind was originally written in response to Marilyn Monroe's death um And basically talking about, like, the media spectacle that was her life and how it sort of followed her to her death and just the tragedy of her death becoming as spectacular in, like, the awful sense of the word as her life was. Yeah. And then when Princess Di was killed in that car accident in 97, I think it was. um, Kind of almost very similar. Not, yeah. And that's, yeah, so that's what I was going to say is, so then Elton repurposed or, like, rewrote parts of the song to make it Goodbye English Rose, which was to do with Princess Di. And again, like, there's definitely parallels between Marilyn and 
Diana in the sense that their lives were on show and they were hounded by the public and by the media and ultimately, yeah. Well, to the point it was literally journalists that killed her. Yeah. They killed Princess Diana. Yeah. They were chasing after her in the car and the car tried to flee and they crashed because they were trying to get away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Because all this woman wanted was a moment of fucking peace. Yeah. Yeah. So we will stop talking about it at that point, I think. Um, but yeah, just to clear up. So that's, yeah, like that sort of makes the song doubly poignant to me is that yeah. Elton saw fit to, and Bernie Topin, like they saw fit to, yeah, rewrite and yeah, sort of commemorate both of these figures with a really touching song. And I didn't know that, so... There we go. I learnt something new today. I listened to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road a lot when I was a kid, so... Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm kind of fucked off that I didn't go to see Elton John, but also, I don't know, because he's just been here. And I know there's going to be a day when, like, God forbid, like, it's going to happen, like, it's it's him or me, but, like, one of us is going to die without me. What is he in his 70s now? I don't know. But, like, similar to Prince, like, I know that I'll be like, fuck, I should have, but... Anyway, I'm not. I'm knocking on wood because he'll be fine. Knock I, on wood that he's fine. I could see him retiring before. Yeah, dying, and that was so. actually no. That's the whole point of him touring here. Was that's he's finishing up. Yeah. So. Good on him. Let him enjoy the. Like, let him spend some time. With his, you know, to enjoy his life. I'm not saying you're telling him personally, but you know. <laughs> I love that you're getting oddly, like, personal about all these things. Like, <laughs> I just realised I was saying that and I was like, wait, but you're not saying... <laughs> I was like, you're yeah, not... I'm, I fully support Elton being a free gent. He can do what he pleases because he's Elton John. Anyway, his show got rained out the other day anyway, so it's not like I missed anything. Mm, that would have sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that's essentially what I think is I really love the sentiment behind it, but I just find it goofy. It's... And it also seems to go for like a million years. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's not that long of a song, but it's just like, it's catchy, sure. Mm. But it just, like, it's got the right message, but there's something about it, like it just doesn't feel triumphant enough or something. Well, I mean... Like, I don't know. I feel like in this sort of situation, they should almost be like, calling out the people that did this. I mean, the, the intelligence officer's like, you bastards, you did this. You know, make it, make it feel angry or something, but I don't know. See, to me, I like that it's sort of... They're aiming for triumph, but it's tinged with a bit of sadness, because that's essentially, like, Greenpeace is still a thing. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, the message has lasted well beyond what happened. Um, this kind of tragedy, I imagine, galvanised whoever was behind the cause to keep fighting and not let the bastards win, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I can sort of see this being a response to what felt like a kind of futile thing. It's like, it happened. Yeah. We should pay our respects to that and what happened, but also it's not worth sort of responding in anger, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. I just... 
I act with anger. <laughs> I think I wanted to say it before. Like, one thing I do like about this is that I feel like if a similar tragedy were to happen today, you wouldn't get this kind of heartfelt thing just because and it could be because like the sheer scope of like 24-hour news coverage all of that like we are just constantly exposed to like really awful shit all the time yeah i don't feel i don't think these kinds of events would necessarily get that kind of um i guess respect well not re- like yeah the acknowledge the acknowledgement that this one did yeah i mean are we I mean, this is coming from a guy who doesn't listen to mainstream radio. Mm. I'll give, I'll cop to that. But are we kind of out of the time of protest songs? Uh, I don't think so. I think no? there's still room for protest songs. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like... I was, and I wasn't going to be an attack, but it was going to be like, can you point me to an example of a recent one? But... Well, I guess... Maybe not so much in mainstream rock, but there's... I mean, there, there would absolutely be... Yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, one that immediately springs to mind is one that came out at Christmas time. Uh, and it was, again, bear with me while I. Um, yeah. My favourite, it wasn't a protest song, but when the Dixie Chicks uh, called out George Bush. Fuck it. The Dixie but Chicks rule. They is... rule, but that also ruined their career. Oh, I know. It Be- fucking... Because they were... I mean, they basically just shot their entire demographic in the foot. Yeah. Um... Yeah. They, they, were, they were a country music trio, and they're like, well, we don't like the uh, Republican president. Yeah. Well, then you don't like America, apparently. It... Yeah, it's... But again, the Dixie Chicks rule. They're, yeah, they're so good. Um, and yeah, like, that's a, like, sure, that was a while ago now, but I like that. Yeah. Like, there is still that spirit. Like, even, well, yeah, it might come across as a bit benign, but like, Taylor Swift recently released a song on Lover called The Man, which is basically saying, like, if I were a dude, would I have been able to get my success a lot quicker? Would I have been able to reach dizzying heights without being fucking piled on the way I have, that kind mm. of thing. So, like, sure, it's a... You could read it as just a very insular, like, protest song. Like, but what about me? What did I... But also, she's speaking on behalf of women everywhere. And then, for instance, the song that sprung to mind before that one uh, was released just this past Christmas. Uh, Phoebe Bridges, uh, who is one half of... Better Oblivion Community Centre with Connor Oberst and also an incredible musician in her own right who we mentioned in our episode about Blank Space in lieu of talking about Ryan Adams. Uh, Um, So, yeah, she partnered up with Fiona Apple and Matt Berninger from The National and they released a cover of Silent Night, but... It was essentially used as a quiet little protest because, as Stereo Gum reported at the time, uh, there's something slightly gimmicky about the track. Bridges and Apple sing Silent Night in close harmony over a still slow rotating guitar. While they're doing that, Berninger, playing a newscaster, reels off a series of apocalyptic news stories 
about Donald Trump and the environment and whatnot. It's basically a Simon and Garfunkel cover. Uh, the duo did a similar version of Silent Night on their 1966 album Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time. As with Simon and Garfunkel's version, the contrast is stark and the point is clear. It's hard to maintain a still and magical sense of holiday togetherness when the world keeps jutting in. So it's like it's quite like it's lovely, but it's also quite haunting because sort of under the guise almost of a Christmas song, there is that again that underlying sense of sadness that like everything is so fucked. Like mm. this is meant to be a really happy time of year and it's fucked. And to me, that counts as being a modern protest song of like yeah absolutely how are we still contending with this shit like we are sort of beyond the point of this being normal yeah so i think yeah i guess what i'm saying is like there's still room for protest songs they just look different oh and i wasn't saying there it's not room for no 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 but like for them it was just more like i feel like in mainstream music there's you don't hear about it as much but Again, I'm the guy who doesn't listen to mainstream music, so I can't really commentate on that. I think, yeah. To me, it's sort of... There are still protest songs. They just look and sound different. But they're still there. Yeah. Because, yeah, God knows there's plenty for us to be angry about. Absolutely. On that note, shall we talk about the cover? Yeah, this band killed my radio. My stereo. to elaborate on that seeing as they're called death by stereo <laughs> so i mean were you trying to say that your stereo killed you i guess i'm imagining i'm imagining a boombox with like cartoon arms and the white gloves like mickey <laughs> mouse and it's got a knife and a gun and See, it's chasing after me i'm essentially picturing that episode of regular show with the tape Oh, yeah, the summer jams. Yeah. <laughs> this is my jam. I'm picturing that, but like a boombox. I'm picturing... So there's an episode of South Park where they're trying to watch the trailer for the new Terrence and Philip movie. 
Yeah. And they go through a whole bunch of different places because things just keep going wrong. And they find out... They remember that Chef has a new television system. Yeah. New television um, stereo system. And he can't figure it out. Like, he hasn't figured out how to use it yet. So he's just pressing all the buttons... And it turns into this mech thing that's just shooting missiles and oh killing people. And there's so it's just causing mayhem down the streets of South Park. And there's Chef on like following it, following behind it on customer on the customer support line, trying to figure out how to get this to work. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just in his pajamas. He's like, "No, no, I've already pressed settings. No, and I've already changed it to auxiliary. <laughs> that does not work." <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I guess. No, I still like my image of the sort of Mickey Mouse stereo trying to kill me. Okay. Yeah. So, Death by Stereo formed in 1998, and they hail from Orange County, California. Uh, The name comes from the 1987 horror film The Lost Boys. And the band was? So I'm picking they're defunct, or are they still around? No, I think they're still around. Okay. Just with... Basically, like maybe one of the original members, right? Yeah. So, the original lineup then uh, comprised of Ian Fowles, Ephraim Schultz, Paul and Jim Minor, and Jared Alexander. Uh, so, I should note that Sam did all of the research once again. I'm just piggybacking off his. You've got next week, baby. Yep. Um. So, a couple of interesting points. So, Jared Alexander is the current touring drummer for My Chemical Romance. Uh, and Ian Fowler has performed on Gerard Way's solo project. So, I imagine he is credited in Hesitant Alien. His release from about... Actually... Was that about six years ago, I think? I think so. I should have it here. You don't have that alphabetized, so good luck finding it. Yes, I do. Oh. Thanks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, all right. You have little faith. Um, I mean, I've alphabetized all my DVDs, and sometimes people would be around and be like, why have you alphabetized all your DVDs? And I'd be like, so I can find them? I definitely have it, because I distinctly remember you having to listen to it on repeat on a car ride home. Yeah, from your parents' place, because it's the only music that we had. Well, I, I had think. a great time. Um, I'm sure you did. Can you just vamp for a bit while I find it? Yeah, I can vamp. But we've also established that I don't really have improvisational skills, so this could turn into me just crying in a corner because I don't quite know what to really say. As I was saying, though, my DVD collection is um, is alphabetized, and I've been cutting it down a lot, though, lately, because our friend... And third host of the show, Richard S. He has been coming along with a suitcase every week and taking along our taking along my DVDs. And I'm hoping that he does so again soon because I want to get rid of all these DVDs that I don't want to watch anymore. Yeah. And I mean, I could I could sell them or I could just give them away. I couldn't really sell them for too much because it's DVDs. But anyway, I do not have a goddamn clue where that CD is going. Is it? Is it really that important? It is to me, because I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about it until I find it. Why anyway, you just wiki it? Because I wanted the tangible experience of holding it in my hand. Thanks. This is where we used to argue about digital books. So, it was released in 2014. So. I knew that. 
Sure. Uh... Well, I said it. <laughs> and I have, I have evidence to prove that fact. Um. Anyway. I just want to see who the personnel are. Thank you. Ian Fowles. So, lead guitar and percussion on track nine. And track nine was... Da, 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 da. Something about ghosts or something? Get the gang together. Ah. So, good maybe, on him. Maybe a gang of ghosts. Oh, and he was also on No Show. Oh, so he co-wrote No Shows with Gerard, which is cool. Okay. Well, I'm satisfied now. So, I don't know why this was such a necessary fact, but I just thought it was funny because it was on the Wikipedia page. Um, Christian R&B singer J.R. released an album called Life by Stereo in 2007. So was uh, that on the Wikipedia page about death by stereo? About death by stereo. What? Uh, they, Why? They didn't actually confirm whether this was in response to death by stereo or if it was him responding to the bit from The Lost Boys. Watch The Lost Boys, by the way. It's a good movie. Mm. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that they wrote that down. I don't understand. Like, I want to know who contributed that, because I reckon it would have just been either JR himself or some random. But only if JR actually did Life by Stereo as a response to Death by Stereo. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if both parties didn't know this and someone was just trying to pad out the Death by Stereo Facebook page. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find JR on Spotify. Um,. So, yeah, and I read that on the show, was it Drake and Josh, or Josh and Drake? Um, Drake and Josh, I think? Drake and Josh, it was like one of the one of the kids in that show had Death by Stereo stickers all over his bed. Oh, that's so, cute. So... Uh, it's, from, uh, it's from 2007. 2007. Life by Stereo. Man. He also, I don't think JR has a Wikipedia page or, um, and it's J.R. So I don't think it's Junior. But mm. yeah, I just, I just, I just found that really fascinating that they were like, yeah, we're going to write this, this completely different artist in a completely different genre of music, wrote an album with a title kind of similar, but not really. Yeah. The only similarities was that it's the antith- antithesis of death, and it was by stereo. All right, I found it. Yeah. Shall we listen to some of it? No. Why not? Okay. What's, All right. What's the best sounding song? I'm going to go for. Say yeah. Say yeah. All right. Let's. I'm just going to skip to the middle. This is good. Is that trumpet, man? Oh, hell yeah. I've changed my mind. This is now a JR podcast. Alright, I'd better stop or else I'll just listen to this for the rest of the hour or however long. Um, So yeah, that's JR with Life by Stereo. Well, I should say the track Say Yeah. Say Yeah. Mm. Off of Life by Stereo. Mm. So, 
So oh. actually, yeah, I think it bears mentioning in Death by Stereo's Wikipedia page. Okay. Yeah, I've I've called it. You're welcome. So what do you think of the cover? Not JR. I think he's great. I think it's fine. I think, um, I yeah, I didn't really listen too much, but I don't think that that's how the singer sings. I think he's trying to put on a bit of a voice. Yeah. Kind of like when we did the Motley Crue cover. I can't remember the band that did that. Um, but they, it sounded like they were sort of trying to do like a hard rock kind of voice because their their vocalist didn't sound like that. Sounds like he's almost trying to do something like Bon Jovi or something, trying to ape the the style of the time. Which yeah, was the style of the time. Yeah, exactly. With an onion tied to your belt as well. Yeah, um, three bees, he'd say. <laughs> Two bees for a quarter. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I... And it's, it's one of those ones where they don't really... And then the last cover also doesn't really do much with it. At all. The last cover being Red City, Red City Radio. Radio. Alright, I guess we're just blasting through to the next cover. Well, like, Death by Stereo, it just sort of... As I said, it doesn't really change the formula. Mm. It doesn't really make me go, okay, this is a punk band doing yeah you know what i really want from this album yeah is i want them to get bands that really buck the like still in the same genres but bands have really bucked the trends i want newfound glory to do slayer i desperately want newfound glory to do slayer on one of these on this album and i'm sad that they don't i was about to say well they can't because it was released 20 20 years ago (laughs) but like punk goes metal too. have fucking rufio Covering an Anthrax song or something like, give us, and that's another band that they could have gotten because Anthrax is much closer to the punk scene than any of this. It's the closest that goes between punk and metal than the rest of this. I don't know. I feel like this is the key difference between you and me in terms of these kinds of conversations. I'm very much of the, what's the word, of the opinion of like. They didn't do that, so it's not worth being bothered by it. Whereas you're like, I know. (laughs) Which is good. I like that you are passionate enough to want to affect that kind of change. Whereas I'm just like, that was a weird choice. Anyway. (laughs) I don't want to be that guy that's like, that's not metal. And I'm not trying to be that guy. I just think that there's other bands that they could have gotten. Well, that's the thing. Like, within the context of this project, it's not metal. Yeah. Like... I'd just be. It would be so interesting if they did a, if they did a metal too. Now, yeah. You know. I mean, they probably will at some it's been point. Years. I don't think they will. But like, they might look. They might do so because it's August. What? August was the release date of Punk right. Goes Metal. Right. I was just like, it's, no, it's February. it's February. Um. But yeah, Punk Goes Metal was in August of twenty double zero. Yep, Consum- yes. Good old 20 double zero. Again, I'm, I'm used to saying 2020, 2019. Um, so let's have a look at their discography. So, so far they've got seven pops, they've got three acoustics, two 90s, uh, and then, yeah, the outliers are classic rock, crunk, 80s, and metal. So, yeah, they might not, actually. We should petition it. I mean, 
we know that they're following us on Twitter. Jim Fearless has a vested interest in what we're doing, so... Punk goes metal too. Get on, like, get on it. <laughs> yeah, get no, it. look, let's manifest it into the same way that we're going to be talking to Tony Hawk. We are going to have Punk Goes Metal 2 by August 2020. To... Maybe not by August 2020, but... Well, around about. Have it's... the plan to do Metal 2, in, you know, by... August 2020, have the idea that you're going to have it done. Yeah. That you're going to get it started. No, it's going to happen. I'm feeling it. Taking things way too slow. (laughs) Take me away from here. Um, So, yeah, I I just feel as though it doesn't really do too much different. Uh, It's competent enough. I really should have listened to another couple of their songs to really get a feel of what they are like because it doesn't give me that punk feel. Yeah. Um... And as I said, it sort of sounds like he's trying to do Bon Jovi or something. Um, but yeah, I didn't really do my homework too much on this band. And I kind of regret it. I probably should have, because I probably would have liked the, the rest of their stuff. Again, I'm going to... This is sort of like the flip side to how the camp you're usually on. There is still all the time in the world for you to listen to more Death by Stereo and report back. What, so next week I'll go, yeah, I did listen to Death by Stereo. Well, just at some point. I'm sure, like, the okay. same way Tesla came up again. Okay. After we did the um, starting line episode, I went back and listened to the album that The Best of Me is on, and it fucking ripped. It was a good album. It was a really yeah, good exactly album. Yeah, exactly a good album. So, yeah. like, and I hadn't heard it before then, so... Well, there you go. Yeah. The All moral right. of the story is... I will listen to some Death by Stereo? Yes. Yes. Um... But that, on that note, yeah, let's get into some Red City Radio. And you were one with the this cover a lot more than death by stereo yeah 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 there's something about it where it's sort of it's more enthusiastic more enthusiastic that might not be the right but like at the very least they're giving it an individual flavor and you got the and i don't know if it's two different vocalists or if it's the same guy with you know different sort of styles of singing it sounds like they've got the kind of gruff vocals but then and that's not that doesn't take away from anything. It's just sort of harsher mm-hmm. than your cleaner kind of pop punky almost style yeah. voice. Yeah. You know, and it just, and it does have that bit. It is again, very similar. Yeah. Not a lot changes. No. And there is that bit that does sort of like the drums then drop into sort of that half time, that kind of like punky kind of when things start to, not quite a breakdown, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I would agree though. I I think I prefer this one to the Death by Stereo version. Yeah. But again, it's just... And look, as I said, the song is catchy. It has its hooks. And... 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I'd had it in my my mind for, for you know a few days during the week. Sort yeah, of singing it in between calls at work. Excellent to myself. But again, it's just another one that's probably just going to sort of be forgotten. Yeah, this is another one where I've already lost the melody out of my head. Like, I'm sure if I pause for a minute, I can conjure it back up. But I'm just like, oh, mm. there it goes. Um, yeah. So on that note, hell yeah or yeah nah? Yeah. It's a middle of the... It's a, it's a, it's not a hell yeah. It doesn't give me that... doesn't give me that big feel to it no it's not not like it's not like last week's song it's not like the Survivor cover with the Survivor cover Survivor was a good song and the Survivor cover was just like oh fuck yeah this is a punk this is a punk band doing a really good cover like doing a really good punk cover Mm. of this and showing us what their style of music is like and showing us what they can do as a punk band yeah this is just uh, you know a punk band taking this and going well we're basically just going to do the song and that's fine you know, yeah, look. But you know, it's it's punk goes metal. You know, show us show us this song in a faster speed, or show us it with you know some more palm muting, or show us it with you know a breakdown or something to show us that punk flair. And it just doesn't quite do it, but like, it's competent enough. I guess that's what like that's one thing I appreciate about Death by Stereo's covers that they do speed it up just a little bit. Mm. At the very least, it sort of feels like it's going along at a slightly faster clip, so it doesn't feel like I'm listening to it for 500 years. It feels like I'm listening to it for 300 years. 300 years. Um, but no, I agree. Like, it, it's, yeah. Ultimately, I'm just neutral about this. Like, I don't think it's rubbish. Like, it's very competent, and it's, like, it fits the brief of what they were asked to do or what they put their hands up to do, but that's about all I can say. Yeah. I know you're going to be very excited about next week. So. Yeah, I'm going to have a lot to say next week. So next week we are looking at the Queen herself, Taylor Swift, her song I Knew You Were Trouble, uh, as covered by We Came As Romans. That might be, is that the last Taylor Swift song? I don't think so. Or did they do We Are Never Getting Back Together? I cannot remember. That is way too far in the future for me to think about. Okay. Um, I think we return to Ms. Swift again at some point, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you guys are in for a treat. I'm looking forward to that one. I know it'll be good. So, cool. until then, thank you for listening to Punk Goes Pod. Uh, drop us a line at Punk Goes Pod on Twitter, at punkgoespod at gmail.com. Um, yeah. As always... We, yeah, just appreciate that people are listening and giving us really kind feedback when we see them. And yeah. yeah um, stay cool, Millie. <laughs>